Welcome to the Liberia Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And today we have a special episode in a topic we don't talk enough about, which is culture and, in this particular, culture entrepreneurship. I'm very happy to have on the podcast Anna Hayavazan, the coordinator of the European Dialogue programs at Friedrich Naumann Foundation in Moscow, and she's also a researcher. And Natalia Kopilinskaya, she's a curator of international arts and culture projects, and she's a co-founder of Museum Solutions Group and an FNF partner. We talk about the importance of culture, also cultural entrepreneurship, and the project Freedom, Culture as a New Message, that Anna is responsible in the Moscow office of FNF. And that's our conversation. I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of September. I'm here with Anna Yavazian and Natalia Kopelanchka. Ladies, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Hello, Oh, it's good to have you both here. And Anna, let's start with you because the project you lead at the Friedrich Naumann Foundation Moscow office has a very captivating title, which is Freedom Culture as a New Messenger. What do you mean by this title and what is the kind of work that you do with it? Well, I should say that um, the Moscow office of the Friedrich Naumann Foundation has had quite a few projects in cultural sphere. And uh, we've been partners with uh, Natalia for a long time. So this project kind of brings together all our experiences and it tries to figure out how liberal values are projected through cultural sphere. Cultural entrepreneurship here, uh, we actually mean a rather, um, a rather broad uh, realm. Uh, where people um, try to um, conduct independently um, their projects and uh, they try to transcend what they think um, into public sphere. You just said that there are many projects that focus on this cultural aspect. For oral listeners outside the uh, Russian Federation, is there any reason behind it or just it's you know the circumstances that lead to that well of course that there is um, a certain reason to it uh, firstly we try not to touch upon um, very sensitive political issues uh, we try to have neutral position to uh, provide a space for broader audience to discuss liberal values and in this respect culture or say recently we had a project architecture and freedom so city space this is a safe way to attract many people to this discussion and to have it not very much politicized but to discuss what is important for us as a liberal foundation and this is um, liberal values and i mm -hmm. think it it is also in some sort uh, easier to do it this way because we should keep in mind that um, values of uh, freedom they transcend into everyday life 
So it is not uh, possible to follow uh, liberal values in political sphere only. So if you are a liberal, this also means something for how your city is organized or to what exhibitions uh, you go. Uh, what exhibitions you attend, or how you build your community, how you organize your everyday life, how you organize your uh, relations with um, other people. So we try to look at it uh, broadly. Yeah, it sounds like a very good strategy. Anna, you already mentioned cultural entrepreneurship. And I'm going to throw it to Natalia now, because from the research you do, and get a little bit into the, the scope of the research, but tell us the importance of cultural entrepreneurship. I just would like to say that by my background, I'm a museologist and I work with the museums at first and then turn it into the private practice. So I would say that it is like a reflection on my own uh, personal strategy. And I found the cultural entrepreneurship in, in Russia is just uh, like an escape, a shelter for many people to construct uh, that kind of own space where we can transmit our own values. That's why actually I propose this project because we mean the values we are talking about during the cultural entrepreneurship in my, in my research. Because we are talking of those who are risk takers, change agents, resourceful visionaries who are ready to use the culture to talk about different things uh, by cultural means. I mean, in, in, in museums, in, in uh, NGOs, in um, human rights, in education, different games, etc., etc. This is cultural entrepreneurship, but then we get into what are the people, the agents on the field, let's call it then the culture, cultural entrepreneurs. Why are these agents are working on a field to provide this kind of offering to the people and you just mentioned there could be a couple of outlets to do that and from your research what do you think are their motivations uh, to do that service that's really broad question um i'm i'm just uh, would like to notice that there are huge number of research in this field and uh, we would extract uh, from this cultural entrepreneurship those who are working, let's say, in creative industries like music, like, um, I don't know, art auctioning and art businesses. It's a huge business or theaters, which are nat natural cultural entrepreneurship. And we also can extract culture entrepreneurship, culture industries, which mm -hmm. are more about this new edge things when we use the social capital when we respond to the social to the, to the social issues by by cultural means and we are or, and we are mainly focused on this second part and we are our our agents our risk takers our visionaries are those who are in Russia let's say they're trying to find their own space in culture niche but to talk about the um, relevant topics of politics or social issues like women, like gender, like rights. And uh, that, those things you can hardly imagine uh, to, 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 to speak about uh, rather directly today. 
but through culture, through exhibitions, through podcasting, through games, um, through blogging, through different other uh, cultural formats, you can, you can do it. And uh, interpretation and finding the new means, well, like, it's a field that is not big, but I think it is growing. I'm going to go with you with the, the question of the cultural niches and how can people listen to us learn from your experience. But before that, let's go back to Anna, because Anna, you being on a political foundation, even if we, as we discussed already, there could be different ways to spread liberal values and ideas. But on this one in particular, you having more of this side of organizing, watching the fields grow and what are the needs. Tell us for you then, the, what are the cultural entrepreneurs that, the, for example, Friedrich Naumann Foundation could be looking forward to work in more proximity? I think why it, it might be interesting for liberal organizations like Friedrich Naumann Foundation is because the identity of cultural entrepreneurs is still something in the making. So it is still in the process. And what was interesting in the inter interviews that we have conducted is that people do not necessarily name themselves as entrepreneurs. Uh, and they are hesitant to say so, um, mostly because their primary motivation is not necessarily to get monetary income. And they are somehow even shy to say that they get money from what they do, uh, because what is important is something else. So what is important is personal values. And um, I'm thinking that uh, organizations uh, like ours, like Friedrich Naumann Foundation, so its role is actually to engage into these uh, meaningful discussions uh, about values. And actually, I see that there is currently demand for such a discussion uh, because we live in a rapidly changing environment and there are a lot of ideas being expressed in the public sphere and I see that a lot of people actually need some discussion space. I think that um, the cultural entrepreneurs we could be looking for is exactly these people who are in search. So who want to talk to one another and um, who want to be free in um, expressing their opinions and who want to exchange them and who want to produce um, something meaningful out of it. And what comes out of it is not necessarily a book, a publication, could be a discussion, could be exhibition could be an architecture um, object, uh, could be an online game, and actually there is a tendency to turn into digital sphere, or it could be an exhibition in Minecraft, for example, uh, because here in Russia I've seen uh, younger people doing um, uh, an exhibition projecting their values through uh, online games. So. The means uh, can be very different, but what is important is this motivation to speak up, to actually find other people who 
would want to discuss your ideas. Anna, just the question that people can use a digital sphere to with cultural uh, motifs uh, spread liberal values and ideas. Just that will be a podcast on itself, and um, I'll be asking you if you could please come back and talk to me on that particular point. But I'll throw it to you now, Natalia, because you were mentioning the cultural niches and how can we develop them. When you think about other realities, and I know that you do a comparative study between Germany, for example, and the Russian Federation, how can then these niches grow? Or, and this could be a provocative question, do you think that people would like to be in the niches, so not have a massive distribution of culture, but have it a more centered one? What is your opinion on that? Well, what can I say? Uh, there is two different approaches in these two countries, because uh, let's say in Germany, they look at this um, sector in this realm and this domain of uh, cultural or creative entrepreneurship as the part of economy. And actually, they access, evaluate this part and the reports of um, cultural entrepreneurship you can find on the website of the Federal Ministry for Economics of uh, Germany. But in Russia, it is uh, the field which is now, uh, I would say, started to be regarded um, by the Ministry of Culture. It means it is it is more ideological, and um, we found this is the main two difference, because in Russia it is still in the niche. But uh, and going to your question, I would say in Germany, the people feel rather safe in this niche and can easily going out of it to a bigger uh, scale of the business or their own uh, entrepreneurship. But in Russia, I would say uh, the people are really value uh, their space and their uh, bubble that they are they are doing um, working with the people who are sharing the values the things they do the audience it is probably one of the main thing that is very dear for them they don't want to be regulated by any kind of governmental or oh, well they are looking at that as uh, the kind of thread and Anna. Do you have an opinion on that also? So exactly following what Natalia just said, uh, could some of these niches will stay there because people want, either because they're subversive or they're a little more marginal to what are what is mainstream culture? Or do you think that, for example, with a foundation that you work on, the idea would be to bring this to as many people as we can? Well, as a foundation, uh, we can share experience so uh, we can uh, discuss how this is organized in Germany and we discuss it in in the theme of uh, free market uh, because we believe that supporting um, business is actually the aim of both uh, the German state and, and the Russian state. This is um, one perspective of it. So. Uh, the question is how to help those people who work in cultural sphere uh, to not to lose what they do and not to lose monetary income. So 
So uh, and how the state could actually support it um, instead of over-regulating it. On the other side, I actually mm-hmm. see that it is exactly the reason why people turn to cultural entrepreneurship uh, that um, it is not that much regulated. So there are not that many regulations and they actually enjoy being freelancers and they enjoy working for um, diverse projects. So it might be, and here I think that uh, we should listen to these cultural entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and we should talk to them and ask them what they actually need. Uh, and it might be that the only thing they actually need is freedom to do what they want. And uh, if they are allowed to do this, so they easily find their audience and they easily find ways to sustain um, their living. So um, this this sphere of entrepreneurship is um, somewhat different from other spheres because this is not an iPhone that everyone wants. This is not, I don't know, a banana you can buy in a shop. So there is a very specific demand for it and uh, there are specific products and it is very creative, very um, fragile and it has uh, its own internal laws and um, internal community. So I think what, what we are trying to research is exactly um, what people get from it. So uh, apart from uh, money, if they do get money, because sometimes it happens so that they do not get uh, much money from it. Uh, how, how this works, how the demand is created. And um, I think uh, one of the questions uh, we might be interested um, in researching is exactly, so what we should do about it. Should the sphere be regulated? Should it be supported? Should it be just left alone? So what are ways to to, to yeah. actually de- develop it? And I think there's still no uh, clear uh, answer to it because this is something still still growing and this is something still still developing. Very good. Natalia, I'll throw it to you because it'll be the same question packaged a little different. So Anna just just mentioned what can a foundation or research group does when cultural entrepreneurs go to them. Let's think the other way around. And that is from your research, how can we increase then uh, the appetite for people that are marginally associated with the process then can take the initiative of being a cultural entrepreneur? First of all, they, those people during our research, they like uh, found their own identity, as Anna said. They found that they could be called as cultural entrepreneurship and they could have voices and just it is like a self-identification. Yes, and then um, uh, organizing kind of space, uh, uh, discussion space for, for, for that online or offline for those people. Uh, it is very 
it is very important uh, part of, of this project is kind of networking for those people because uh, it is also how the social capital of them grows and uh, the foundation's role foundation roles is um, also to uh, in, in description of, of this field and I'll, I'll stay with you because then as you said uh, a couple of times already, you're doing research, you're, you're compiling, compiling information and data. What are, in your opinion, some very fascinating, very interesting points that you, data points that you have, you have been seeing that makes you think, well, this is an avenue of even further research to even, you know, improve even more the service we do to culture people that want to be culture entrepreneurs. Where do you think that, and, for, and of course now referring to your home country, where do you think that things could be going and research topics to, to follow? Speaking about the future, I think the um, most interesting for me would be to un well the, the future professions in this, in this field, because uh, I guess the field is, is growing right now. And uh, in comparison to, to, to Europe and to United States, in Russia it is still growing and a lot of things are connected to uh, information technologies, to new technologies. I suppose this um, culture entrepreneurship plus information technologies plus the new ideas uh, will be will be like a future f future uh, it, it is a new horizon because it's just spreading and growing and uh, those, I would say, offline niches, which could be easily raised now, could be more hardly raised when it is uh, going online. And also and also, the, the future is uh, the capitalization, I guess, economics is one of the main thing, how, how the people could start counting their own money and can uh, represent their product. Well, I see there's two points in here that totally deserve that we continue our conversation on a future podcast. One, it's mm -hmm. the digital realm and the uh, and the world outside the internet, of course. And the other one was what are the incentives? And we already saw that financial incentive. It's not the main uh, propulsion. So just that I would like to also continue our conversation. But as we're getting into the end of our time together, I'm going to throw it to you again, Anna. Please also give us uh, your thoughts on this. How can, for example, the Friedrich Naumann Foundation, Moscow Bureau can do this kind of you know, future work, and how can people know what great work you're doing there in Moscow? Uh, so currently we are at the um, research stage, and uh, we are grateful to all the people who connect with us and who are ready to uh, spend an hour or two in an interview actually discussing how things are organized in their country. And uh, we are currently also producing short videos. So we've done first video with Natalia explaining cultural entrepreneurship uh, and why it is important. We plan uh, to do so as uh, in, in future as well. And um, the biggest work that, that we have in, in front of us is actually our research paper uh, that would bring together all that we have done. 
So currently we've conducted about uh, 20 interviews and all of them are like uh, 15 pages of uh, uh, conversations with um, diverse people who identify themselves as um, cultural entrepreneurs. And um, we have certain topics we would like um, uh, to cover. Uh, for example, um, culture as dialogue and um, versus culture as conflict and uh, or culture as a discussion space. So there are certain aspects that we would like to cover in our research paper and I expect it to go public in the beginning of next year and we hope also to translate it um, into English. On the show notes of this podcast, I'm going to put the link of the video where Natalia does explain uh, some of the details of her research and the work done. And also, I'm going to put the link to for our listeners to follow the work done by FNF in Moscow. I've been talking with Anna Ivaizan and Natalia Kopelenchka. And ladies, this was great to have you. And please come back soon so that we can continue this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ricardo. I'm back. Just reminded that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by Elle for this month of September. On the 20th of September, in Rome, but also online, we have the event Democracy and Rule of Law and the Future of Europe. The event will include a panel of experts and a roundtable session, with a major takeaway from the event used to build a concrete policy proposal to address concerns of the future of Europe. This is an organization of the Luigi Naudi Fondazione, and locally will take place at the office of the Fondazione, while at the same time being online. The event will have English and Italian translation. And then on the 24th, from the Gothenburg Book Fair in Sweden, starting at 12.30 Central European time, we have a panel discussion on the release of the book In Ukraine Adrift. This is a first-person description of Paul Fries of some issues on that country, like gender inequality, environmental degradation and corruption. You can see the event on the Facebook of the book fair to see the panel discussion, but I can also add you that we're going to have Paul here on the podcast so that we can talk about this very important book. So keep an eye on that. As usual, to know more about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast, it's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.